Getting a lot of traction on my tweet that says uh, to some dude named Michael Motes asking him, aren't you some weird pedo, pedo pervert? That's what literally everyone, including 16-year-old girls, are saying about you. Please stay away from women. <laughs> Sounds like slander. I, I, it's not slander. <laughs> I mean, I was asking. I wasn't making question. an assertion. It's just an honest question. Are you not the same weirdo pervert? Oh, I'm not allowed to ask questions anymore. Oh, now we can't ask questions about <laughs> your murky, checkered, fingery past. He has he has a thing. He, he this guy is such a weirdo. He has a thing where he's like, um, he tweeted out after he got accused of being a like a sex creep uh, that he's like, oh, now you can't even tell women that they're beautiful anymore. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> That's the classic line. I'm cute. And I'm Jewish Dave. This is Bird Road. This is Bird Road. Um, this episode is coming very belatedly because of a number of problems and um software issues and well actually no it was just one it was just one software issues on bird road (laughs) it was just one problem honestly yeah we had an awesome interview and we're gonna play it anyway but it was just uh full background this episode was um was recorded before election day it was with uh brian legend in the podcasting world brian quimby from street fight radio um, we're going to play the interview in the entirety here. We just wanted to give a little bit of context since like, I think like nine or 10 days have passed since we actually did the interview. Um, we're releasing it late because I mean, there is this entire world in podcasting of like slapdash half put together solutions, like, like technology just made in somebody's, you know, made from, from spare parts <laughs> in somebody's basement somewhere or in somebody's garage two dudes will like just like me and you are doing this podcast on our spare time two dudes will just start up some fucking company and it's it's the most they're usually the most unprofessional you know slapdash thrown together constantly fucking up if you were to add up all of the employees for the dozen different long distance recording software programs, you'd have about 20 people total across. All you would have all. enough to have one really good long yeah. distance recording software company. You'd have like 20. Yeah. There's 10 of these services out there. And the one that we're talking shit about today, because honestly, it's the thing that prevented you from getting this episode. It's the service that prevented you from getting this episode for so long is ringer. And of course, just like every one of these stupid ass fucking companies, there's no E where there's supposed to be an E. <laughs> yeah. So just so we know who we're slandering or not even slandering, cause this isn't untrue. Just so we know who we're talking shit about ringer, R I N G R worst fu- of, of all of these. What do you call them? Dave recording software. I, like, I, I don't even know. Voice over IP recording software. I mean, I don't know. It's recording far and away the, the worst, far and away the worst one. Um, I mean, we, you know, we had problems with IPDTL. IPDTL was just a thing where it was completely unreliable. And it was, again, a company where it was just like one dude somewhere in, in London. Anyway, that's the reason our interview with Brian didn't get out until now. So today's Sunday. Hey, and and big, big thanks to Brian for sticking with us and helping with the troubleshooting. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, asking, asking so Ringer makes you ask so much of your guests. You have to ask them to do like the most intense computer work like they have to go into their fucking into their browser and and dredge up cached audio files and it's insane it's fucking bonkers 
don't use ringer don't fucking use ringer i know that we have a large contingency of like a, a big demographic of our of our listeners are actually podcasters themselves so don't fucking use ringer just don't if you have it Do get it. rid of it um so we talked to brian about question one on tuesday question one was absolutely fucking destroyed uh question one <laughs> again if you don't if you um it's actually technically ohio issue one and uh if you don't remember from last week it was um on the ballot in ohio it was a, a yes support a yes vote on that would support um you know we'll go we'll get into it as we talk with brian but uh basically decriminalizing a lot of um low-level drug offenses and people were just not ready for it in ohio i guess people just just overwhelmingly voted against it 63 to 36 um still gonna play this episode because it's still pertinent even though you'll hear us make some points and obviously we were pushing to assuming we could have gotten this out a few days before uh to whatever listeners we have in ohio uh, hopefully get you know our voices behind support of it it lost but it's still pertinent and it's still important to know i thought dave one of the thing, things more interesting uh, as we you know kind of think more broadly than just question one was how there are certain states and ohio is probably the biggest one that are becoming becoming red states like they're not swing states anymore they are solidly red states in this year where there was and we're going to get into in our next episode that'll come out on monday um our election wrap-up episode we're going to uh get into national election results from tuesday all the crazy shit happening here in Florida. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Arizona as well, where there's still a recount going, still a lot of recounts and, and late ballots coming in and um, things are still a little fluid, but we mostly know what the makeup of the Senate and the, and the house are going to be. But meanwhile, in Ohio, it appears like there was an absolute red wave. The he- headlines from places like Cincinnati.com is Ohio, a red state ToledoBlade.com, Ohio moves further into the red uh in the uh, local uh tv station wksu after midterm ohio looks more red than blue so what exactly happened um sherrod brown who still stunningly i I always have a hard time remembering the fact that i always have a hard time dealing with the fact that sherrod brown sherrod campbell brown is a white guy but sherrod brown (laughs) is not a black guy but uh it's like you dated a girl that had a had a black girl's name too. I remember that one time. Uh, I don't. Yeah, and her her dog especially. <laughs> you dated her Clifford, dog, yeah. Clifford Jackson. <laughs> Clifford Jackson, yeah, that's right. So this from Cincinnati.com. Forget about a blue wave in midterm elections. Ohio is a red state. Republican Mike DeWine defeated Democrat Rich Cordray fifty to forty six uh, in final unofficial election results. This is an article from. Um, from election night republicans swept the four down ticket races the gop is expected to retain a veto-proof majority in the state legislature tonight belongs to the republicans said state auditor david yost who was elected state attorney general and it did democrats won the u.s senate uh re-electing sherrod brown as i mentioned after a weak challenge from uh jim renacci and two ohio supreme court seats also the democrats won uh but they couldn't capitalize on whatever anti uh, anti-trump sentiments exist in the state Democratic enthusiasm and turnout couldn't overcome votes for the best known politician in the state. Is Ohio a red state? Is the subhead it says Reg- Republicans have controlled the Ohio governorship for 34 of the past 50 years. Remember, this is another one of those like very famous one percent states where, like Florida, it just kind of 
it's always very it's supposed to be always very close but somehow it's always republicans that come out on top um right yeah registered republicans outnumber registered democrats by nearly six hundred thousand voters statewide while the cities are turning bluer the surrounding areas remain deep red which is a very familiar story that we've heard over and over suburban voters have become the swing voters and increasingly they are republicans the absolute worst people suburban people just I, I as i watch what's happening to suburban enclaves and when you say the word enclave i think you start thinking of people who have like cordoned themselves off and are scared of the outside world and put up gates and that's exactly what suburban americans are turning into the absolute fucking worst people the suburbs are filled with just horrible horrible people um yeah. And I actually saw a, a, a metric that came out following the um, the election where, contrary to all these, you know, visits and 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 um, journalists parachuting into places in the in the Midwest and the Rust Belt and in the South to try to figure out in the last two years since Trump was elected, like oh, who are these people? These noble working class Americans who it's not noble working class Americans. It's right. small business tyrants. It's mil- It's people who have who have millions of dollars and and businesses and stuff like that and only care about their little small world of their business and making sure that their taxes aren't raised and have no concern in true sociopath uh, fashion, no concern about the society around them or building a better world or the fucking oceans and lakes that are boiling around them or anything like that. <laughs> and these, these are people who, uh, who, based on this this metric that i saw showed the overwhelming it, it was just i thought it was fascinating because it, this metric and um i think it was from the new york times it showed based on exit polling the income strata of people who supported republicans versus democrats and somehow we've somehow we've spun this narrative that it's uh the noble working class poor that are that 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 came over to meet trump and are are staying there for the tax breaks. It's not the only group. The only group that supported Republicans in the majority this this election cycle, according to exit polling, which is notoriously shitty, um, were people making over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Really? Yeah. No other group in the income strata, like when you break it down that way, no other group got a majority of Republican votes in twenty eighteen. That's so really weird. Yeah, that, that yeah. surprises me for sure. Um, you know, so Ohio is kind of ground zero for that. It's the 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 measure was defeated, and it's the kind of action that voters take that lets you know that they're scared people, they're small people, they're people who are like who are weak of mind and are 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 worried about imaginary drug dealers just waiting at their state borders that are going to like invade their shitty suburbs and stuff like that. That's and, a lot of people right now. Yeah. That, it's, that, it, that's it, just it, what it is. That's what, what America is basically for the most yeah, part. Scared, bitter people who are just like cowering and, and, and filled with recrimination and filled with, with resentment towards anybody who feels differently than them towards like the Antifa on TV that's coming to like get their daughter or whatever. <laughs> um, so, what's it mean in reality because that shit is all fantasy in reality ohio and states that similarly you know continue to treat low level mostly people who are addicted or who are struggling with some level of 
of, of addiction. Uh, it, it makes it a meaner, a less forgiving place. Um, it's a worse place for poor people. It's a work, worse place for working people. Um, it, be, it becomes, it, it creates an atmosphere where your margin of error starting at age like 15 is so small. Like you mess up one time and your life is branded and set that way. You get introduced into the criminal justice system um, and that's it. Your your story is mostly told. 80, 90% of outcomes in our country or in our society are closed off to you. Like you'll never have 80 to 90% of the opportunity that a bunch of people will have. Maybe that happens to you when you're 25. I don't know. Maybe you, maybe your drug problems don't happen in, or, or your stupid, small, low-level arrest doesn't happen until you know you're 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 30 or something like that i don't know uh but it, it continues a generational problem a problem that also is divided pretty pretty starkly on racial lines um i don't think anyone's listening to this really but the new the new season of serial season serial came out with a new uh i'm sure nobody listening to that is still a fucking shit ton more than whoever's listening to us but um <laughs> nobody's nobody's listening to serial anymore, no one i don't think serial <laughs> <laughs> But they're focusing on one courthouse in Cleveland, and they're telling a lot of these stories. And I guess maybe that's been on my mind lately, um, as I see as we see the results come in off of the loan issue that was on Ohio's ballot. And we're going to get to that now with um, with Brian. But really quick before we do, uh, <laughs> Brian had a really funny tweet right afterwards after this red wave that we're talking about. Um, obviously we didn't get to ask him about it because it was after the election, but he, he basically tweeted out like, I'm done voting for good. <laughs> <laughs> Can't blame him. So a few plugs really quick before we get to the interview, new episode coming tomorrow on the election results. Um, we'll post it on Monday. Uh, today is Sunday when you're getting this episode in your feed, Jewish Dave, I know you got something you want to plug. Yeah, actually, um, Saturday, November 17th is virtual reality day. It's all across uh, the world. I think um, they're doing events all over everywhere in every like major city and stuff. And uh, here in Las Vegas uh, at a place called work in progress, downtown Las Vegas, uh, they're doing an event and they'll be demoing all kinds of virtual reality stuff. And I will be speaking about uh, using music in virtual reality and how to uh, use music to, bring out the experience and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I'll also be showing off my new video, Palindrome 360. I've got two things I want to plug, actually. Uh, first one is uh, I have been asked to speak at the Crisis Management Summit at the Eden Rock in uh, Miami Beach, put on by PR News. As you know, my most of you listeners, astute listeners, will know that my day job is in the world of communications and brand management and all that fun stuff. And um, so occasionally I get invited to talk about cool stuff. I think I'm going to find some way to angle it to be talking about podcasting and um, <laughs> also generally like the evils of corporate culture, uh, <laughs> which nice. we'll see how that goes. Um, <laughs> probably not, probably not great, but they keep asking me back. So uh, I, I guess it's, it's, it's going well enough. Um, right. So I'll be speaking again, uh, February 27th and 28th in Miami beach at the Eden rock. You can go to uh, prnewsonline.com. And just search for the Crisis Management Summit on there. The other thing I wanted to promote that's um, near and dear to my heart is today, later on, I'm going to head out to the uh, DSA meeting. As you, I think we've talked about this before, Dave. I'm not much of a joiner. I'm not good at joining things. Mm -hmm. um, but I have joined in the last couple of months our, my local Miami chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America. Uh, I've been trying to help out, hope to now that 
things have gotten quieted down a little bit more. I can help them out uh, on the communications front a little bit. And they have a meeting today, which by the time this episode goes up, all of you listeners will be far too late to, to participate in. But next month, um, there will be another meeting for new members. And what I strongly urge you to do, if you're feeling like not only is what's going on here in Florida or just even around the country, if it's fucked up to the point where you feel like the the Republicans or the conservatives are, are holding on to power, it's not your imagination. They are. They absolutely are holding on to power in a completely undemocratic way not reflective of the wishes of the of the the voting body and if you also feel like democrats aren't even touching the surface of the kinds of issues that you want if honestly if you're listening to this podcast look into joining your local dsa chapter i did it i met some great people hopefully we'll have some of them on um, pretty soon and we'll talk more about it in in the future if you're in miami which i know a lot of you listeners are check out the miami dsa's event page on facebook there's you know you're not going to be in time to go to this meeting in about a couple of hours but you will be in time to be able to check out their um some of their other events and and i'll see you there if, if you go uh so with that said let's hear from brian uh martin had a dream Martin had a dream. Kendrick have a dream. All my life I want money and power. Respect my mind. I'm Q. And I'm Jewish Dave. This is Bird Road. This is Bird Road. So we're continuing the Purple State Ballot Amendment throwdown, aka what the fuck is this shit? We're moving into the Buckeye State. Um, last week we sat down with progressive activist, former congressional candidate, a friend of our show. Ruben De Silva. We went through the six ballot initiatives in Nevada. And also last week, we sat down with Cocaine Cowboys director Billy Corbin, who was kind enough to talk us through all 12 of the ridiculously long Florida state ballot, uh, six Miami-Dade County amendments and three city amendments, which we split over two episodes. You can look back in the feed and see all three of those episodes. Between now and Election Day, we're also going to be in, uh, we're also going to be talking to people in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan. But again, like I said, today is all about Ohio. And Ohio has only one issue on their ballot statewide. And there's really only one person we wanted to to talk with about it. A little context, like when we came up with this show, there were a handful of other podcasts out there that had an influence on our direction like a year ago when we did our first episode. We've mentioned them a lot on the show over the last year, but there's like one show that sort of stands out because not only was it an influence on this show, it was an influence on a lot of the shows that were influences on us. So our next guest is, uh, I guess, technically our, our granddad. Um, his name is Brian Quimby. He's the co-host, the co-host of Street Fight Radio, the number one anarcho-comedy podcast and show on any nation across any station across the nation. You can check them out at streetfightradio.com. Support them. Go to Patreon, patreon.com slash streetfightradio. On their latest episode, it's a good uh, sort of entry point into the, the street fight world. You can hear Brian reenact an episode of all in the family with his maga father-in-law but um i mean like any show is good you can just start anywhere murder brian welcome to bird road hey and hey let me say this to you nobody else can do the number one anarcho comedy radio (laughs) i can't do it either so it's it's, (laughs) i even wrote it down i even wrote it down on my notes in front of me i was like don't fuck it up you know you've heard him say it a million times (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's only Brett. That's Brett. He that is his. Uh, he's a master at that. <laughs> so um, the really important question is, how long did you walk today? Did you get your miles in? Oh shit! I can check for you. Actually, I walked. Um, I think ten ten point nine miles. Jesus. Eleven point one, actually. Eleven. I just Damn updated. It. I just got back from the movies. So <laughs> wow. <laughs> what did you see? The hate you give. I took my daughter to the movies tonight. Right on. How was it? Uh, hey. Some pro- there's some problematic stuff in it, but all in all, I think it was good enough for me. Right she read the book in school. And yeah, uh, like required reading these days in, in the schools, they, they, they put that out there. That's like a big, that's like a big time book. I know it is actually good. I think my kid goes to like a rich white school in the <laughs> suburbs of Columbus. So it is good for her to sort of see that, see that kind of, uh, that, that way of thinking, I guess that there's some, just some, you know, they, it seems like the filmmakers kind of felt like we got to do some good cop stuff in here. There's got to be some good cops and the cops oh, have to do it something has to be good. like ambivalent. It has to be like this one cop that's torn or something like that. I want to feel yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'm just like getting to that. But I mean, my daughter's been to protests and stuff and even she like kind of expressed those feelings before we watched the movie. She was like, you know, there's some stuff in the book that is, you're probably not going to like. And I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm not, like mad or anything. <laughs> well, I mean, you know how it is. Like, I'm sure that there were notes on that book and on the script too. probably like, Hey, can we soften this up a little bit here? Can we make this guy maybe a little bit nicer? I mean, I haven't seen the movie yet, but it's pretty, I mean, like I've seen the trailers and those things are pretty formulaic. You can tell, more or less what's going on there and that they're you know pretty neatly fit protagonists and antagonists and you know you you, you can tell i i can tell what you're talking about in terms of like who who gets you know sort of shaped as what kind of a character yeah and and like like i like even just kids getting to see like uh even just kids getting to like hear the arguments that people make constantly on social media like we're kind of steeped in that sort of world you know of of understanding police brutality and white privilege and stuff like that so i mean like i find that kids understand things a lot better when they see it happening so that is what it helps and if 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 that means because i mean they're not going to make a mainstream movie where the cops are the bad guys (laughs) it's just never gonna happen so i feel like they came as close to the edge as they possibly could and then kind of in the end they were like and then the cop caught the mean drug dealer that was that was trying to kill them through the whole movie it's like oh okay well the end i guess (laughs) um so i was thinking as i was getting you on and i was like coming up with the questions and like you know the outline for what we would talk about i i was wondering since you're from ohio and you guys are very proudly from from columbus do you ever get people that bring you on their show and sort of like assume that you're football fans and OSU fans and like try to talk shit about like football or anything with you? I just thought that would be a really funny thing to to say. Like, uh, to, I thought it would be really funny if I was like, I'm a huge fan of your show and then brought you on to talk about football or some shit that you never talk about. <laughs> uh, we did. You know, you want to. I'll tell you this. The first 
I'll bet you, I can't tell you ex- episode numbers because there's like a 8 million of them now. But one of the first episodes of Street Fight is about Ohio State football and how we hate it and we hate the NCAA <laughs> yeah. and that it's like legalized slavery and stuff like that. And I think that was the show that pissed off the people in our life so much that they don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a lot to, you have a lot to thank for that show. Like that show, yeah. you owe that show a debt of gratitude then because there's nothing more freeing than making sure everybody that you meet in person every day does not listen to your podcast. Yeah. It kicks ass. It's sort of like uh, I have like two friends that actually listen all the time. To- they listen to all the episodes cause they just like churn through podcasts at their job. And uh, I'm I'm always uncomfortable when I talk to him. Like, yeah. uh, what do you have? You like? Do you think I'm talking? Because people, everybody thinks you're talking about them when you do a podcast. Right. Like everybody, like right. you know, my wife will be like, "Oh, you're talking about me, right?" And I'm like, <laughs> "No, I was just talking about a person that I made up in my head." Like most of the time, we're talking about like a straw man or a person that we made up in our head, unless we're very specific about who that person is. But people is, they take that straw man and they're like, that's me. That's obviously me that he's talking about. It's like, no, it's really not. Which honestly says more about their sort of conscience or their perception of themselves than anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It, it, I mean like the, the fight with my father-in-law was real. But uh, he's never going to hear it. He he is never going to hear me do this because, I mean, my show would give him a heart attack two minutes in if he heard it. <laughs> um, yeah, Dave has a lot of uh, on his in-law side of his family. He has uh, I, I've made fun of him a lot before for the the people that I see chiming in on his like Facebook comments and his social media comments that he'll post something. And then I'll see somebody who has the same last name as his girlfriend posting some ridiculous retort and or some like hor- like horribly informed meme and in my mind <laughs> sometimes I'm like, i, I know think that, that that's uh, gina's aunt or something like that i don't want to be mean to her but <laughs> sometimes i think that q doesn't actually believe those people exist until he sees those uh right <laughs> those well there's a lot of people in there's a lot of people in like my peripheral you know friend group online like you know we hang out. We're friends with the Chapo guys. I'm friends with the guys from Struggle Session. Like I'm friends with a bunch of people from like Brooklyn and LA and stuff now, and media people. And uh, they've chased off all of my dumb redneck friends through comments. First of all, but secondly, they're like, "Holy shit, who is this guy?" Like that when somebody's saying something completely ignorant in in my comments, like, and uh, I'm always like, "Yeah, I." I always felt like that the archetypes that we talk about on street fight exist everywhere, but they're different things. You know what I mean? So like you said, you're in Miami. I'm sure there is a red, a version of a redneck in Miami. That's like the ones we talk about in Columbus. They're just not rednecks. You know what I mean? There's something else. They're just, they have different like cultural signifiers and they have different accents and they're just from different places, but they're the worldview is the same and sort of the way that they express it is the same. Yeah, absolutely. And the same thing in Vegas too. Yeah. yeah, So it's, it's like, it's, it's just one of those, like uh, when you find out that like, because I mean, let's face it. So many of these podcasts come from Brooklyn and LA. 
that maybe yeah. that's where all the people like me move so that there's not me's anymore in the city, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> no, that's the, that's the, the Democrats, the DNC strategy in like early 2017, when they did the postmortem, it was something like, I remember this. It was so ridiculous. It was something that said, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but it was like more Democrats need to move out of cities into, into, well, Columbus isn't rural, but just like into um, purple states or or red states, and it's just like, what? That's really your solution? I don't <laughs> recommend like, that at all. By the way, <laughs> if you live in a if you live in a nice deep blue state, and it's very nice there, like you look at somebody in California, and you're like, I, I wouldn't move like to this shithole. So that, like, the thing about these purple s- states. I can only speak for Columbus because I barely have left it in my whole life until like the last two years. But um, it is like only cool if you grew up here. Like if you didn't grow up here and you haven't lived here forever, you would move here and you would have like no connection to anything. And it's like it's not like New York where like the first time I went to New York, which was like a year ago. But the first time I ever went to New York, I was like, I never, I want to l- stay here forever. Like, I love this place. This place is great. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, 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 it's different empirically. And I mean, any, any kind of strategy that like tries to tell you that's the solution. Like, oh, the problem is you live in the wrong place. It, you know, otherwise we could be in power, you know, the, the, you know, quote unquote, we could be in power. That's uh, I mean, you're asking people to uproot. I, I went to Houston for the first time ever, really recently. Beautiful city. I actually really love it. It's a really, really nice place. And, um, you know, went with the kid and, uh, you know, went and visited another family that, you know, is like longtime friends of ours. And they have a kid the same age. Lots of stuff to do with like a four or five-year-old kid there. And, you know, it's like really wholesome and nice. But just in the week and a half I was there, I felt no connection to it because I'd never been there. It's a nice city, but it's not like you say, like New York or in, you know, to some to some degree like LA, where you go there and you're just like struck with, oh my gosh, this is like civilization. Right. And and like uh I don't think there's an amount of people I mean, obviously there is an amount of people that could move here and change the politics, but this place is so gerrymandered that like I honestly, it would take so many people moving here to change this to a deep blue state with the way that, the, I mean, if you look at the district lines for Columbus, they're, it's cut into three pieces and it's the, yeah, yeah it's cut into three pieces that make sure that the, the suburbs are like tied in to the middle of the city so that you know, basically our votes get canceled out. I live downtown. Our votes get canceled out, you know? No, I was reading, researching for this, for, for this podcast, for this episode. And I couldn't believe this because I thought Florida was gerrymandered badly and unrepresentative, but Ohio is, you hear like these sort of political strategists. A lot of times they talk about 1% states where what they mean is like 1% could make a difference in an election. Either way, it's like that. It doesn't usually end up that way in Ohio, but it, you know, it's pretty close. And your Senate, your state Senate, 24 to 9 Republican to Democrat. And the House, 66 to 33 Republican. To, that's crazy. That's huge. Considering that it's really closer to like 50-50, that's a, that's a huge 
huge outlet. I mean, if you saw the where I live, and then I, I mean, my my, uh, I think Senator is a Republican. Uh, Steve Stivers, I, he might be in the House of Representatives. I can't remember, but Steve Stivers is a Republican who is like representing me in my artsy neighborhood just outside of Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> you know, I live in one of the I live in one of the places where like all the parents have like dreadlocks and you know big gauged ears, <laughs> and their kids wear like Ramones onesies. <laughs> So, look, listeners, if you listen to our show and you don't listen to Street Fight, like you have to ask yourself what the hell you're doing with your life. You can subscribe to um, Brian and Brett on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, like pretty much anywhere there are podcasts. If you're in the greater central Ohio area, you have an internet connection, you can uh, hear their call-in shows on WCRS Community Radio 92.7 in Columbus um, every Sunday night at 10 o'clock. So let's get down to business. The reason we wanted you on is to talk about, again, the only amendment that's on the ballot in Ohio this year uh, that Ohio voters are going to be tackling. It's called Ohio Issue Number 1, Drug and Criminal Justice Policies Initiative. So a yes vote here supports a constitutional amendment that makes offenses related to drug possession and use no more than misdemeanors. Uh, it prohibits the courts from ordering persons on probation for felonies to be sent to prison for non-criminal probation violations, which... I mean, I'm sure in Ohio that's a huge thing too, but it pretty much anywhere where there's, a, you know, a, a very carceral punitive system that that's you know getting violated is like one of the one of the worst things. One, mo most people, if you talk to them when they're in prison, uh, jail, not prison, and ask them why they're there, they say they they're violated. Um, they got violated. Create a sentence uh, credits program for inmates' participation in rehabilitative work or educational programs. And require the state to spend savings due to a reduction of inmates resulting from issue one on drug treatment, crime, uh, crime victim, and rehabilitation programs. So I just want to do a little disambiguation here. This is not a marijuana legalization amendment. This isn't about building a, um, you know, like kind of like Dave, what you what you were a part of or what you saw happen firsthand, where Nevada turned into a state where there was a marijuana industry. This is mm -hmm. about decriminalization as opposed to I think a lot of people sometimes will read a bill like this and they'll be like oh free weed you know it's time to fucking toke up but <laughs> that's not exactly what this is this has to do with a lot of other things besides just marijuana it has to do with other controlled substances substances pills fentanyl um cocaine heroin uh the support behind this 16.1 million dollars three million of it by the Chan Zuckerberg Advocacy Institute which I just learned about being a thing <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is by Mark Zuckerberg and, and his wife, um, Stacey Schusterman, who's a, this billionaire heiress um, from oil and gas, also threw in a few million dollars. Opposition, $1.02 million from a, uh, uh, a coalition called Vote No, Protect Ohio, which is kind of making the case that this would be you know bad for kids, I suppose. Um, so, Brian, from your perspective, I mean, has, has the... Any of any of the the marketing or like the messaging around this issue like broken through to you? Are you aware of this? Are, are people largely talking about this in Ohio? Yeah, I mean, Brett and I have talked about it a few times on the show. Uh, actually, we didn't talk about it on Street Fight. We talked about it on Chapo Trap House. But uh, when you said that the people who were against it were saying it would be bad for kids, their actual case. First of all, it's very dishonest. It's that 
They say a person that gets caught with ten enough fentanyl to kill ten thousand people wouldn't do jail time if we had issue one, which is who even knows where they came up with those numbers, you know? Sign me up for that one. Yeah. Well, and and let me just say this. We have weed coming by it was supposed to be done by September eighth. But uh, of course, they didn't allow people to start growing it. But it's being grown now, and the dispensary should be coming uh, in December. And then there will be shortages until February. But then it should all be running by February. There's we do have doctors now with the marijuana leaf on their uh, door and stuff like that. So you can't get it. It's already like medical legal. But I, this thing. Uh, I I think that like it's pretty popular uh, in my circles, you know, people who, who I know. Um, but I do worry about people who have been like uh, have lost people to the op- opiate epidemic, seeing some of the advertising around it, and maybe reacting and voting against it. Being swayed. Yeah. because I I think like most people, I think people who have had people go to jail for opioids would be for this because they don't, I don't think anybody thinks that their family member deserves to be in jail because they did drugs. Right. But I think that like people who lost people and who died, I mean, there's a lot of sentiment in Ohio. If you look at like local news and just Facebook, if you look at like local news comments and things like that, you'll see a lot of people who like want to give the death penalty to drug dealers who sell heroin with fentanyl and things like that. So there is like a lot of, there's a lot of shit going on here because a lot of people are dying. And I think this is, yeah, there's a lot of like mixed emotion. Yeah. It's, it's like you, you, you come from a, um, like everybody knows somebody who struggled with something in this realm i mean maybe you don't but like almost everybody i know knows somebody who's whether it's just an alcohol problem or something far harder and more like difficult to shake it's 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 hard to divorce that from sort of like the representations in your mind of uh, the evil drug dealers doing these things that that sort of qualify as scare tactics that a lot of the are, are on the other side or just things that are lot they're lying a lot of times because i mean my daughter comes yeah. home from school and we're talking about these they're talking about drugs in school right now and some of the things they say about drug dealers like just defy logic anyway you know like why would a drug dealer want to kill the people who buy the drugs off of them like why would he poison the people who are <laughs> buying the drugs it doesn't even make sense you know, but that's what people yeah. are convinced of. People have been convinced that this fentanyl is put in these drugs in order to poison and kill people. And that fentanyl, uh, if you use it, you die has been like, I hear they're putting it in the uh, Halloween candy. <laughs> I'm like the big, are thing. they doing it now? Is that out there? Because I would believe nah, I you. No, but it's probably like, yeah, it's probably like a, another scare tactic. I mean, like, look, yeah. we're all all three of us, I think, are about the same age on this on this show. And we we were dare kids. I mean, we grew up during the sure. dare time and there was nothing like the scare tactics that they I mean, they told me I remember in New York, they told us they told us my class that you could die from smoking weed one time. Well, I Googled um fentanyl marijuana last week and i found a press release from a police department that was claiming that they've 
that they could put fentanyl in marijuana and kill you, but they haven't found any examples of that yet, but they was just letting you know that they could do that. Like that could be a thing that might happen. <laughs> and they do the same thing with cocaine a lot now where they're like, yeah. Oh, I hear they're putting fentanyl in cocaine. And it's like, has anybody died from fentanyl and cocaine? And they're like, well, they could cause they're both powders. And it's like, but, but you can't just say that these things are fucking happening because that terrifies people. That makes people think that there is this nefarious thing happening and not that they flooded Appalachia and, and, you know, this part of, they flooded this part of the country with Oxycontin and then pulled back on the, then pulled back and decided, Oh, we did that too much. Now all these people are addicted to this thing that they flooded out here and they're doing whatever they can to get it. And one of the things that they can do is get fentanyl that can be split up a bunch of times and get a bunch of doses but when we don't let qualified people dole this stuff out and we just let like dudes do it in their apartment with their shirt off then like that is going to be a problem that's why this is happening happening it's not like this nefarious thing but but i mean like you said, we're all dare kids. We all came from dare. And if you went through dare and you've never had experiences with drugs or alcohol in your life or never known drug dealers or never been sort of, you know, run in circles with criminals, then you would never know that because of the, they don't talk about it like that. They're very dishonest about it. You know, luckily for Dave and I, we ran in a lot of circles with criminals in our Vegas days. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, um, it's funny because I, I did too. That's how I know though. It's, it's because you, you talk to them yeah. It's because if you know, like what the real psychology is behind these sorts of things, like why people are doing things, then you would realize that none of the narrative that the anti issue one people are putting out there makes any sense there's there's nothing there that like makes sense but i think they're very scared because i really do like i just told a story last week on uh on our call-in show or maybe it was two weeks ago about uh, uh, an acquaintance that i know who has a, a son that's in prison right now he got nine years for being part of a robbery related to uh, a heroin deal and he said he didn't right and you were saying that Sort of he that that he last day before he was supposed to be released on an early release and yeah, yeah I, what, I heard that actually and and he ended up getting the full nine years activated yeah on yeah and then uh, like that mom is permanently like kind of radicalized against the justice system at this point right. and she's one person but the you can't blame her and all the yeah. people who and are there's like a ton that. of yeah. people that are like that now that that is happening all over this this state this is one of the places i mean i think i one time posted a picture of me and my friends in high school and like 40 percent of us are still alive you know because it's taken a huge toll out here and like every single family is affected you know every everybody is affected by by this thing and it's time i think for us to start because it's not salt throwing people in prison. Isn't solving it. Obviously people are just still dying at yeah. these like record numbers from these things. And it's not prison. That's going to fix it. 
They don't care about prison. Nobody that does drugs thinks like, oh, gee, maybe I'll go to prison. You know what I mean? Like, you just don't, it doesn't come across your mind when you're doing it. I mean, you hide it and stuff like that. But like, like anytime I've been going through like patches where I was like addicted to Percocets and shit like that, I never thought I was going to go to jail for it. You know, it it never entered into my mind that I was going to end up in court for it or anything. Oh, no. Yeah. Like, I mean, in, 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 my worst states in Vegas, which Dave saw, Dave saw me when I was in my worst states way years before I was a father, and I just like it was in my house. Yeah, and I was, I was not. I was the last thing I was thinking about. I mean, like the the risky behavior. I like to think I'm a pretty responsible guy that turned out okay, but at the time, fuck man. I mean, I was getting behind the wheel and doing ridiculous shit. And right, me too. Yeah. So it's funny that you bring up sort of the the carceral aspect of it and the punitive aspect of it because. Um, it really seems like if you're somebody who's against this measure, you're, I mean, I don't want to try to ascribe, uh, you know, motive to people, but I mean, come on, that has to be what, what is driving you is that like, you want to keep people in prison. You want to keep your thumb on people and keep them down and prevent them from, you know, being able to put a mistake behind them or be able to seek treatment. Um, so I, I noticed in researching again, that the, the, one of the only voices who I, I could find that has been really strong on this or the louder voices is the former Ohio attorney general, Mike DeWine, who's running for, um, for a governor, the Republican who's running for governor, who said that it would be devastating, arguing that it would attract more drug dealers to the state. I mean, that is, that is a, yeah, they did say that, that, oh, all of a sudden then they'll say it's businesses open in Ohio for all the drug dealers to move here. Like people just get up and move, especially fucking drug dealers. You know, I have never met a highly motivated (laughs) drug dealer. You know, And again, if I know anything from, from movies and TV, you don't want to like get on someone's turf. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) and again, like they think that like, it's this big calculated thing in their mind and that these laws are a deterrent. But I still take weed on tour with me, even though I know that if I get caught with weed (laughs) in Kentucky, I'm going to get like, you know, some kind of crazy charge. I don't care. I'm just going to take it anyway because I want to. And like, it doesn't help. It just, it doesn't help. And again, like, why would you, I mean, it's still illegal here, you know, and like, right. Uh, yes, there won't be any jail time, but they will jam you up. And and like, if anybody knows anything about like forced treatment, that can cost some money, <laughs> like a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, I heard you talking on the last episode again. I'm sort of I, I still have your last episode pretty, pretty fresh in my mind. But you were talking with one caller about harm reduction and like the, the correct responses for people who, who find themselves like sort of in the grips of addiction and it's so far from what it is right now. I mean, it's miles away. You're not going to get help if you get caught in a situation where what you really need is help, where you're like struggling. It's, you're going to you're going to be put into a situation that is going to exacerbate it. That's going to I mean, like I, I know that that's how it is in Florida. Florida is very especially South Florida is just very punitive and. There is not a strong apparatus of like taking care of people, of um, you know helping them recover from things or helping them manage. I, I know Vegas is a really brutal place to have any kind of weakness to. Like any any kind of any kind of problem is like impossible 
to, to have in Vegas because the system will suck you dry. It'll take every penny you have. It'll take every penny from your family and and take your freedom at the same time. And I get the feeling Ohio is kind of the same way, right? Yeah. And and I want to like I because I, part of this thing that I don't like is that they're still going to force people into treatment and they're actually going to invest more money into this yeah. like forced rehab system. And number one, I want there. I, I always picture like when people talk about Medicare for all or universal health care, like I always picture like a pretty robust like rehabilitation system and mental health system. But like the way that they do mm-hmm. treatment now, I don't, it helps like such a small percentage of people. And I believe that's because right. when they go into their treatment program, they take all their problems and they say, these were all caused by the drugs. And like, that's, they work backwards from that. And I don't think mm. that a lot of people who have like, uh, mental health issues and things like that. I don't think that it's all stems from the drugs. There's reasons that they're doing the drugs too. And that's why forced treatment to me always seems like, could we get like maybe like just psychiatric help instead of like these drug counselors that are like, like I said, they just go in, they do the 12 steps. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. They let them out because they did all the 12 steps and then they get to go home and do whatever they're going to do. And if they get caught again, they just do it again. I mean, I think there has to be like, we have to seriously rethink how we, how we think of drugs in the United States. And like, this is a positive step forward to say like, these people shouldn't be in jail. But, you know, the wish is obviously, and it'll probably happen in a more progressive state because Ohio is so like kind of centrist that like yeah. the, that these people don't need to be filtered through the court system at all is, is my dream. You know? Yeah, it would be great to decouple, you know, these low level drug uh, offenses entirely from the criminal justice system and put them in the sort of public health sphere where they where they belong. Uh, it, it's funny because I pulled these numbers, too. I don't know if you know this, Ohio in sort of rate of incarceration, state by state, smack dab in the middle at number 24. Um, 790 per 100,000 Ohioans are incarcerated uh, or become incarcerated. In the U.S., 700, it's 720,000, so really close to sort of the median there. And, I mean, that's that rate is, you know, 10 times higher than countries that we think of like like china and and places like you know like like much more punitive places and you know like somalia and stuff like that not the case we put a fucking crazy amount of people in prison in our country and this is not the whole problem but it's a it's a it's a chunk of a lot yeah the, the drug crimes is i mean i just i know people who have gone to jail for multiple years for like weed charges and should gone to prison yeah for like a weed charge or something like that and and that's well look that's actually that's actually a good leading because the next thing i wanted to ask us and that's a perfect thing for you to talk about here is in your respective states right dave i'll let you start in in nevada i wanted to say like i wanted to sort of pose the hypothetical what happens if you're count if you're caught with two ounces in your car in Nevada, and like the same question for for Florida and for Ohio. What 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 happens right now, Dave? Yeah, I don't know exactly what happens, but I do know that uh, it should already be just a misdemeanor here, um, from what I understand. 
um, possibly like a thousand dollar fine or something like that. Um, I don't think it's much more than that here. Ever since everything has, uh, uh, yeah, which was like twenty fourteen ish, right? Yeah, right. Um, Brian, what about Ohio? Yeah, in Ohio, I know that. So we basically decriminalized weed here uh, in the nineties. It's it's not like de- you couldn't sell it without getting in trouble because you can't have enough to because anything it's over a quarter cool. pound, I believe, is a felony. I got pulled over when I was a teenager, got smoking weed. We had a half ounce and uh, they said, "Ooh, that looks like a uh, what? what's a felony. And guys like a quarter pound. And they were like, oh, that looks close. And I'm like, Oof, I don't think you've ever seen a quarter pound of weed before, buddy. <laughs> um, so uh, two ounces, you, you would be OK here. It would be a misdemeanor. And they I mean, chances are they'd probably just dump it out, you know, and, and send you on your way. But. Or if you were black, they would shoot you. I, I don't really right, know. You just but just down in the street, basically. Sure. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I think two ounces is okay. I think it's anywhere up to four ounces. You're fine. And then after that. But there's also a bunch of other laws. That's the thing that people don't. I don't think people know this. But uh, a lot of states that decriminalize weed heavily criminalize like uh bowls right or pipes or uh paraphernalia yeah scales or yeah any paraphernalia they heavily criminalize those that's what you get into real trouble for because you know the the actual substance they're fine with and uh that's still going to exist in ohio because the medical marijuana law prohibits smoking marijuana you're not allowed to combust it so they'll still be able to put you in jail for you know, if you have a dime bag, as long as you have resin and like something that has ash in it in the car. And uh, I don't think they'll put you. I I mean, if this passes, they can't do anything to you, but uh, or they can. I guess they can still send you through rehab, which is something that they do. I mean, Brett got busted in Virginia. Note to self, take pipe out of car after interview. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Brett got busted in Virginia back in uh or back a couple of years ago, he got busted with a quarter ounce of weed and uh, he almost had to do six months of rehab and probation if he didn't get a lawyer. And, you know, he had to pay $900 for a lawyer that ended up getting him off and suspending the sentence for two years. And then he and that's its own that's its own fucking ecosystem, because, you know, that there is, you know, uh, a, a ride that you get on the night that you the night that you get pulled over, you're getting onto like a carnival ride. That's going to bring you through a bunch of shit where you're going to meet lawyers and you're going to meet all these people who are just sort of stops along the way that are like, oh, well, you pay me this and I take care of this part of it for you. And it's its own fucking ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, and like a quarter ounce of weed and then you have to like go to a rehab, a six month intensive rehab where they can drug test you every time you come in. It's like, that's a crazy thing. That doesn't, that all that is, is like a money grab. It has nothing to do with like morality because you could do cocaine anytime you want and you wouldn't, it gets right out of your system. These are all money grabs to me. And, uh, I mean, hopefully this stops that, but I just have a feeling this, this redirects a lot of the money to something yeah. else, you know, to some other element of enforcement, to some but other it is, element of authority. It is harm reduction, you know, so I'm all for, I'm for issue one. I plan to, I actually plan to vote 
go and vote for issue one for sure. Oh yeah. But yeah, I do it's think a lot better than the alternative. Yeah. Then, then yeah. no, yeah. <laughs> it's got a lot of problems, but it's way better than, you know, filling up these prisons. I mean, they're talking about building another prison here so that we can fit more people in prison because you know, that's part of the pro issue one stuff is like, if we don't pass issue one, they're going to build another $2 billion prison. Jeez. It's like, well, we don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, the people of Central Ohio have not heard that the Republicans run every chamber of, of government there, and uh, and they're the Freedom Party. So it's weird that they're going to prison. Isn't that weird? How the Freedom Party always ends up putting so many fucking people in prison all the right. time. I'm yeah, and and the thing is, we're trying. I I people do work real hard here to try to switch the uh, switch the wheels. Uh, of con at least give it to democrats which isn't much help because if you look at the cities then the city councils are all democrats and the mayor's a democrat of columbus and and like that stuff we've done that but like we can't get anything for the national elections or, or our seats because again our vote is split up into three pieces it, it's I, it's disgusting. Like I, I don't. I'm worried about issue one. I think it's going to pass, but I have seen some pretty intense propaganda against it. And I, that's what I was going to ask you: Is that just all dark money? We can't tell who's donating the anti-issue one money at all. No, no, that's that's funneled through super PACs, and I mean there are some telltale signs. Like you can kind of tell where some where you know there's like process of elimination ways to figure out i mean i, I know this as as a journalist from my, my previous life as a, as a reporter that even with the dark money um you can kind of tell especially if it's coming from out of state you can kind of find ways through process of elimination to figure out who's funding it but i mean just it's it's a qui bono thing you know just go look at who's going to be benefiting and usually in the cases of a lot of because we've we've talked about a few similar amendments like this it, it's usually people who stand to gain something it's usually private prisons um a lot of times uh believe it or not if you ever read about sort of the the, the criminal um like there there was a, a case in pennsylvania not more than 10 years ago where a judge was basically being sponsored by a uh, a private prison company, like a huge monolithic one that was looking to build more, more private prisons in the region of like central Pennsylvania. And, uh, and sure enough, that judge's record showed what was he doing? Was he erring on the side of caution and, you know, trying to do harm reduction? No, of course he was sending everybody that he possibly could for the most minor arrests for the, the maximum term that he possibly could. And usually that's there, there's money to be made. It's not, you know, it's not out of even down here in Florida, right, where we have voted to legalize marijuana in very in various iterations, like either recreationally or medicinally. It continues to get struck down by Republican governors like it just just vetoed after it's already been voted in by the voters. Just sorry, we're just not going to do it. And that's because. On its face, it looks like, oh, Disney. Disney is very family friendly there. They're not going to let, you know, the state that's owned by Disney be the state that also legalizes recreational or any kind of marijuana. But it's not Disney's values. It's Disney's money. I mean, they're, they're, 
they would stand to lose from Florida becoming a state that might attract fewer wholesome, in their mind, wholesome family trips. So there's always somebody that stands to gain. I feel like I'm like talking like a, a, a fucking QAnon person right now, but like seriously, <laughs> it, it's true that there's that there's always a person, there's always a party that stands to gain specifically on this issue, and usually it has to do with uh, the private prison industrial complex, right? Because the people I think speaking out of it, out against it, that I've seen on the like attack ads are are sheriffs and uh, yeah people like that. So I kind of sort of thought I I've heard that the fraternal order of police is really active in this city, uh, which that stands to, I mean, if you look at the way the police act here, then I think like, it sounds like that's very true. <laughs> Where, I mean, we are the city that arrested stormy Daniels and, sure. and you know, <laughs> things like that. Like it, it, it's an out of control police force. And uh, I, yeah, I, and, just, I mean, it just brings uh, brings um, sex workers into alleys, basically, and, and, and murders them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's I, that, that fucking just happened, like literally a few months ago. Right. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I this is uh, this is somebody told me this, but a woman was just found in the neighborhood adjacent to mine, found burned to death in a park. And when people looked into who she was, she was somebody who had had a lot of dealings with some of the vice cops and the vice squad of uh, in Columbus. And it was she'd been arrested by some of them a few times and stuff like that. So uh, like the vice squads on hold, they're being investigated right now by I think the, the you know, investigated by the police. So I'm sure they'll be cleared of any wrongdoing, but it just feels like these cops <laughs> are fucking out of control here. And I don't think that they, I, I really think that a lot of time these drug criminal decriminalization things, like the reason the police don't want them is because they take away a whole way for them to harass you. They hate legal weed because weed stinks. You know, you like smell it from anywhere and it gives them reasons to search you. That's what Joe Kennedy said or not whoever that Kennedy guy is that's running. He said, if we legalize marijuana, yeah. then the police won't have a reason to search some cars and find people doing wrongdoing. And it's like, I'm surprised he even yeah. said that fucking out loud. Like who wants their cars? <laughs> that's when they tell on themselves. That's when they fucking tell on themselves. Yeah. And it's. It's funny because we always talk about how there's a South Florida connection. And back in the day from um, I don't I say back in the day, I really mean from like 2005 to like 2012. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but from like the Ohio Valley area, I saw an infographic that at the time, my, my newspaper that I worked at, the Miami Herald, um, that we came up with this infographic that showed these 90, $90, $110, $115 flights that came from Kentucky and Ohio. So like Ohio Valley area down to Fort Lauderdale airport and they were, you know, how the, how the air, how the airlines just sort of react to demand and they lower their prices or raise their prices, depending on how many people want to come. It was a caravan for like seven, eight years in a row of people coming down, getting, uh, getting opioids prescribed to them and bringing them back. And it was this huge, just this, this circuit of, of opioids coming from South Florida up into the Ohio Valley. And that, I guess, eventually at some point petered out, but fentanyl stepped into the um, in, into the vacuum that 
you know, it was like a, like an evolution from pills to, to, to that, if I'm not mistaken. Right. No, you're totally right too. I have a few friends that have gone to prison for a little bit for going down to Florida and grabbing Oxycontin and bringing it back up. Uh, I, I, that has cooled down also because the DEA and like, so those pain clinics are being like, watched like hawks you can't really prescribe the kind of painkillers that you used to be able to prescribe because the dea will come after yeah, on the radar yeah and uh so fentanyl i believe comes from i've heard it comes up through mexico and uh it's just like stronger it's like morphine basically but like it's a powder and it's hard to dose and it's hard to figure out how much you're getting and it's hard for the other people to split it up so that it makes money or so that they can make the maximum amount of money out of it and stuff like right. that. And it's really powerful. So it works. And, uh, I it just, it's, it seems so counterintuitive to, to allow this to keep happening. Cause we could just make the pills available to people who want them. And I know that's controversial. People are like, oh, I don't want people to be addicted to painkillers. I don't want to be yeah. subsidizing it. And I'm like, well, they'll pay for them, number one. And number two, mm -hmm. there already are. They're already yeah. doing it. Nothing is stopping it. So why not just let them do it? I know that like you could use fucking two Oxycontin a day for the rest of your life. I'm sure it's not great for your inside of your body, but you can get through oh, yeah. work. It's eventually going to eat out like whole, <laughs> holes in your brain, but people fucking, I mean, speaking as somebody who spent a, a good chunk of his life knocking back a 12 pack every night, people sit around and knock back 12 packs every night yeah. for their entire lives. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I just, I, you know, I've talked to a lot of people in like the medical profession and stuff like that who are like, I just, I'm not okay with letting people just, just melt away and die. And I'm like, I think that if you remove, when I was very addicted to Percocet and Vicodin, I never got high and I, I took some oxy, but you know, it was so fucking hard to find even back. Well, it was $40 a milligram too, or no, it was $1 per milligram. So an $80 pill is a lot of money. <laughs> so, um, or even a $40 <laughs> pill is a lot of money. Um, but I was spending so much time trying to find it and trying to make sure that I had my supply, but I was also at work every day doing what I was supposed to be doing. I was still raising my kid. I was still doing all the things I had to do. If you could remove all of the uncertainty from that life, it could be perfectly like just like when a, a functioning alcoholic goes to work i don't see why you can't be a functioning yep. person who uses painkillers like i don't like to say drug abuse right. or, or addict or anything like that i i don't use i like but i do think that like we could improve people's lives like tremendously and also people tend to want to come off these things at some point it, it becomes too much. And if we had a system in place, which is what this thing seems to be trying to do in a ham handed way, if we had a system in place that people could go to and get off of these things and detox, then I think we have, that is the solution to this problem. It seems like such a simple common sense way to solve this problem and also make things available, make Kratom available, make weed available, make CBD 
uh, all these less harmful options, make those things available too, and just let people ride it out and, and live their own life without throwing them in prison. And I, I really think it, like that is the solution. You know, if somebody can get a 40 milligram Oxycontin, they're not going to buy heroin. And <laughs> like it's right. that, and that yeah. is easy to dose. Oh, this is 40 milligrams. I just take this and I'm fine. I'll be fine for hours. I don't know if it goes back to like as far as our sort of puritanical origins as a country, but it's this sort of um, uh, this this reluctance to accept anything that might be deviant or anything that might be perceived as deviant or to think that you're going to leave um, people suffering and, you know, strung out in the streets. And I, I mean, if we live in a world where that's already happening. I mean, what about getting people to at least a sort of a tolerable place where if you're coming at it, like your friend, the doctor or the friend who said that, you know, as a medical professional, he doesn't want to, uh, you know, just write off people. OK, well, how about get them to a place where you can actually address the problems instead of it just being abject terror and a fucking horrible life? Or even like if you talk to uh, social workers, one of the I was going to be a social worker if Wait, before Street Fight took off, I, I had considered social work. <laughs> if podcasting didn't work out. <laughs> I had considered social work and teaching. Those were the two jobs that I was working. I was actually signed up to be a teacher. Reason I didn't go into social work is because I had talked to other social workers and basically found out you can't meet people where they're at. You know, you go and see them and you can't yep. just be like, can you like smoke weed? Would, would like smoking weed be better for you? Uh, is there anything safer that you can do you have to like automatically go in there and tell them well the first thing you need to do is go to rehab or i can't help you or wh whatever the policies are and it's yeah. like i can't help anybody that way because that's not the way i think you help people i think you help people by saying like let's keep let's solve your problems let's like work on your problems and then see if maybe in the end you decide that you don't want to be on this stuff anymore because I think that's the real way to fix it. Like they talk about these common sense things and you, it's like they said about Iraq. Uh, it's like the argument that people made about Iraq for me when that was happening. And this was like 2003, I was kind of dumb and like kind of a Republican. It was like, what are you going to, I think we yeah. all were not a Republican necessarily, but a lot of us were dumb yeah, as shit. And they say, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Kill all the terrorists. And I was like, Oh, that's a good point. You like really, you can't kill them all because then you kill somebody and then somebody else is like, you killed my person. And then I, <laughs> you know, like and they become yeah. a terrorist. Yeah. And I wanted to get your opinion on like one more element of this because you're a person who talks about this element of this issue that we're talking about. And it's the race angle. And I was going to talk about um friend of our podcast, uh, Jerry Ionelli from the Miami New Times. Down here in Miami, he had a, a pretty good story. Well, it was his colleague, actually, um, Mega Connor, who had this uh, Miami New Times um, really, really good reporting where she found this huge, I mean, shocking, right? But this huge racial disparity. Let me let me hit rewind. 2015, Miami-Dade County, uh, all, you know, three and a half, three, three and a half plus million residents uh, voted and were um, basically affected the change in marijuana enforcement that it would basically you know being pulled over or having marijuana found on you would result in a hundred dollar fine and it was sort of left to the various municipalities and also the county police 
to enforce that, to implement that that new rule and, and make it so shocking that three years later they found that overwhelming majority of people who got the hundred dollar tickets were white and pretty much if everybody who was a person of color was thrown in jail instead right and i think that that's a huge blind spot with a lot of this legislation a lot of it being well-meaning and yeah i agree with you i think i think all ohioans should vote yes on one but isn't there uh do, do you see that happen in in ohio that much i mean is 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 there a racial disparity like that yeah i mean ohio's ohio's real bad actually their our police department has been i mean black lives matter uh, the people's justice project is who brett kind of introduced me to them because he's gone to a few of their meetings and uh i've been we've been to a lot of marches on police brutality here and a lot of people have been killed but a lot of black men have been killed by the police in this city. And uh, I mean, I guess anecdotally, I would say that like I have never been busted for weed really when I was a teenager, when I was, I got busted twice when I was a teenager. One time they gave me a curfew violation and the other time they dumped the weed on the ground and said, get home you little piss ants and just sent us home you know what i mean and uh so i always thought the cops were like pretty normal here like we had a pretty reasonable police but and after you know the past like two years i've i've really changed my opinion on that because because i've gone to these marches and and heard these impassioned speeches and seen these mothers like mourning their sons and i think the columbus police are are generally much worse and and my hope is that this gives them less of a reason to to right. go out there but i still feel like there's going to be incentive for the police to go after people who use drugs because those people will still be filtered through the criminal justice system yeah and it's almost reflexive at one point i mean it gets to it gets to a point where uh, here um the the, the community, the the, municip- the municipality is Miami Gardens, right? Miami Gardens is the city of, uh, it's, it's a very big city. It's a subsection of Miami-Dade County, and it's overwhelmingly black. And it's over-policed to the point of, I mean, there was a, there was a New York Times article four years ago where they were talking about how one kid who actually has a part-time job at this convenience store working for um, – for this uh, a Korean guy who owns a owns a convenience store in Miami Gardens, the kid was systematically harassed and thrown in jail, or given what they call like a humble, where they throw you in jail for twenty four hours with with no reason, nothing like no no charge, and just because they can for twenty four hours. Uh, over the course of his four years working there, over three hundred times, they just walk into his store, pick him out of the, out, pluck him up out of work, and throw him in jail for twenty four hours just for loitering when he's on payroll at a place. And I, I think about that when I see these these kind of laws and I just like the voices that you're talking about and the groups that you're talking about, I'd like I hope that they continue to be vocal, you know, because it, it always ends up that there's a disparity. Yeah. I, I think they're they're being they're vocally for issue one. I mean, nobody's gonna be against I don't think that they sure. would be against issue one. They're not for like more carceral stuff, but they're they're also dealing with, you know, they're dealing with heavier issues, I think. But I, I do think the yeah. drug issue is a pretty heavy thing and, and it does tear communities apart. Absolutely. I mean, that is what's tearing a lot of 
I mean, a lot of like just working class and and like uh, the underclass. A lot of times, it, it really is just families being torn apart by by people going to prison for having a little bit of drugs on them or a lot of drugs on them. It doesn't fucking matter. They're just drugs. They're just brain tonics. They're okay. You should be allowed to have them. But yeah, there is definitely disproportionate. Uh, there's definitely disproportionate policing in my city. I, I just, for an example, I told you my neighborhood, uh, there's three cops for a three square mile fucking district. You know, it, that doesn't even make any sense. Like three cops on duty pretty much at all times. Brett describes leaving my neighborhood as feeling like he's driving out through like there's towers. There's like guard towers everywhere. And uh, they never pull you over if you're driving a late model car. You're not you're not going to get pulled over. I drive a 2015 Kia. I'm not going to get pulled over driving that fucking car. But I always see them pulling people over and the people they pull over are either black or driving a shitty car. Uh the Columbus police, I don't see them downtown very much. Uh, a lot of times I see like community group. There's these like stupid like neighborhood groups that hire people for like $10 an hour to walk around and harass yeah. homeless people and collared shirts. But the police aren't out there doing a whole lot in the streets. But I know that in neighborhoods like Linden and on the hilltop, which are low, you know, the cost of living is very low. The They're, they're not they're high. I, I don't like to say high crime neighborhoods because I don't think they're any more high crime than anywhere else. They're high enforcement neighborhoods where the cops are going in and busting people for every little thing. Yeah, that's the thing. It, it, enforcement is commensurate with 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 the arrest amounts, which then dictates how much crime perceptibly there is in a place. If you if they if people if, if the police started with you and your neighbors or me and my neighbors in my little cloistered area of Coral Gables in Miami started like busting in our doors and looking for shit, they'd find shit. They'd find plenty of shit and they would be, they would, you know, probably have the same arrest, uh, you know, amounts of, uh, of, of prosecutions and arrests and, and uh, crime stats that they do in, those places that you're talking about where they over police. Right. And you opened the show talking about actually, it's cool that you said this because uh, like uh, this has been a topic of conversation in my house, but you opened the show talking about my father-in-law and I arguing like was the basis of the yeah. last show. And we didn't talk about this much on the last show, but my uh, daughter and my wife were over there while I was on tour in the Midwest last They They tend to go visit, the in-laws when i'm on tour or out of town yeah. so that i don't have to go there's no guilt you know what i mean yeah they could like check it off yeah. brian wanted to be here oh, he really did god he's in damn des moines <laughs> iowa right now there's nothing we can do about it uh so they go over there then and um one of the things that my wife was telling me about that last time she went there was that she was like taken aback by her dad's use of the n-word number one it, which is a big deal. Like that is crazy when somebody yeah. says that around you. I don't care who you are, how used to it. And this is a guy that voted. You said for Obama two times. Two times he voted for Obama twice and Trump once. <laughs> so it's very weird. Uh, and said he would have voted for Bernie Sanders too. By the way, but uh, he happened to mention that he happened to say that word, but he said it in a way where he said the neighborhood. So the neighborhood I grew up in was called. We called it the Valley for short. It used to be called Sun Valley, and then it was called Black Lake Estates, but everybody just calls it the Valley. And uh, he said the Valley was a great neighborhood till all of the N-words moved in and messed it up. 
And my wife right. got pissed off and was just like, what did they do? Did they sell drugs? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, so did Brian and all of his friends. <laughs> did they rob cars? Yeah. So did Brian and all of his stupid friends. But the time you lived there, it was white people doing it. And you didn't fucking yeah. care because I did all the crime associated with, yeah. with that those people associate with young black men. I did all of it. And I haven't spent a yeah, but day you were you were Marky Mark. You were Marky Mark. You weren't Wu Tang. Exactly. Clan. You were like, yeah. You yeah. get away with so much. I mean, I even talk about how like you if you listen to my show, you know that like I talk shit about the police. I'm open about that kind of thing, but I also am a white dad with no tattoos and no, no one of the one of the most interesting things i heard you talk about recently and i don't remember if it was on your show or if you were on chapo at the time because it was pretty recent but you were talking about um i forget exactly i'm paraphrasing you but you can probably say it better than i could like the sort of because i have a lot of these traits too sort of the the camouflage of the what the police won't bother you if you look this way and like i have the black honda crv suv you know i have the uh, like mustache forget it no, no cop is bugging bugging you if you're a white guy with a mustache <laughs> like you're 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 fucking fine nobody no cops gonna they might invite you out to drink or something like i that. keep my hair um, short i wear yeah short hair i yeah. don't wear anything that's like too descript i'm like wearing joggers and a in a sweatshirt right now actually the sweatshirt is a willie nelson is one that the willie nelson's yeah. weed company gave me but it doesn't say weed on the front of it it says it on the back but like uh in a hat and uh i drive around a 2015 kia soul and i don't have any tattoos i don't have any piercings i have a beard i would never just even have a mustache because i feel like that would make me stand out so i i have a whole either a beard or nothing and uh i i just i i've told this story i a few times but there was not too long ago i was driving with my sister and i was smoking a bowl in the car and uh, i got up to a red light where i needed to turn left and the light i had the fucking music up so loud and the light changed and i turned i was like what the fuck is everybody doing what the hell why is everybody just sitting here and i turned and when i turned i was head on with a cop a cop was coming up the wrong lane of traffic with their lights on and i was oh. coming around i and you didn't hear yeah it. and i steered off of the road and ran my car into a sign and the cops came <laughs> to take the report for it everybody my my sister and i were both okay everything was fine i was high as shit because i had been smoking and i had eaten an edible before i left so it's kicking in the cops come and they apologize to me they get my car towed for me and then they they're like go home get some rest everything's gonna be okay even the cop i almost hit head on apologized to me he came back from he had been responding to a robbery he went he handled the robbery. He turned around. He came back. He came to the convenience store where I hit the sign and he apologized to me. And like I had all the power in the situation. And the reason I had all the power in the situation is so fucking obvious that it's just that yeah. I'm a white dad. And like I was doing criminal shit when they got me. I should have gotten arrested and I would have been arrested had I been anybody else in this world. Uh, again, if you're within the sound of our voice, you're in Ohio, yes on one, vote for it to sort of ease up. You know, it's not it's not a catch-all solution. It's not a complete comprehensive solution, 
but it is something that will, you know, uh, substantially make circumstances better for a lot of people who get caught up in the meat grinder of the the criminal justice system needlessly when they shouldn't be in it. Uh, my guest, you can follow him on Twitter at Murder Brian. You should definitely, if you're listening to this show, you should definitely be um, subscribed to uh, Street Fight Radio, uh, streetfightradio.com. Check them out on Patreon, patreon.com slash streetfightradio. Murder Brian, thank you. Much appreciated. Thank you. It was fun. Thank you.